Do you want to make your clients an offer they can't refuse? We all do, and we're going to tell you how on this edition of The Inside BS Show. Hey now, I'm Nikki G. This is The Inside BS Show. Today we're talking about how to make your clients an offer they can't refuse. And who better to do that with than my partner, Dave Lorenzo, the godfather of growth. Dave, how are you? Hey now, Nicola. I am so much better now that I'm with you. It's great to be with you today. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Dave, you're always making your clients offers they can't refuse. That's the reason I am on this podcast with you because that was an offer I personally could not refuse and didn't. So that's why we're here together. So why don't we let our audience in on that secret, how you get your clients to do that? Yeah, well, the secret really isn't a secret at all. It's just a combination of things that you can put together, any of us can put together, to help make it easier for clients to say yes to things that are good for them. And this is the framework that we're operating in. I'm not trying to manipulate anyone. What I do is influence people. And the difference between influence and manipulation in my book is influence means it's good for you and it's good for me. Manipulation would mean it's just good for me. So for the example that you set out, the show, it's great for you, great for me, great for the audience. Everybody wins. That's how I got you to do the show. It's, I told you it's going to be great for everybody. So how could you say no to that? But we've got five specific things we're going to share with folks who are listening, folks who are watching today that will help them make better offers that people find irresistible. And the first thing that I'm going to open up with is something that is so natural and so intuitive, you're going to go, oh, I can't believe I hadn't done this sooner. Stop making yes or no offers and offer people options. Every time I sit down with someone and I make them an offer to work with me, I never give them a proposal or an opportunity where they can just say yes or no. What I do is I sit down with them and I say, there are three ways we can work together. There's the first way, the second way, and the third way. And what I always make sure I do is the first way gives them exactly what they were looking for at a price or an investment level that is completely fair to me. But then because I've done my homework and I've done my discovery process on their business and what they want personally, I know that in addition to needing what they said they wanted, they also need something else. And that something else is something that maybe they know consciously they need, but they had a hard time articulating, or maybe they didn't even realize they needed, and I helped bring it out during our discovery process. So option one is exactly what they asked for. Option two is what they asked for, plus what they really need, the thing that's underlying the issue. And then option three is something that is aspirational for them that will help them move to the next level in their business or in their personal life. So let me give you an example from a world you're intimately familiar with, Nicola. So let's say you're a litigator, but you also have a transactional uh, department in your law firm. And someone comes to you with an issue, they're being sued. And you say to them, okay, Mr. Smith, I can represent you and I'll, I'll represent you in this lawsuit. And here's what I'm going to do for you. I am going to represent you in this lawsuit. I'll be your counsel. And for the representation in the lawsuit, I'm going to charge you, you know, $450 an hour and I'll be, I'll be your lawyer. However, I think because the underlying issue that caused this person to sue in the first place still exists, I think you need to fix that. And our transactional team can help you 
plug that hole in your contract. So I'm gonna represent you for 850 an hour, and then our transactional team for option number two, our transactional team will plug the hole in your contract for $10,000 plus the 850 an hour. And oh, by the way, Mr. Smith, in case you have other legal issues, we have an entire general counsel service, and that general counsel service enables you to take advantage of up to 15 different transactional services every month. Also, it would get you the opportunity to fix that contract issue and probably a dozen other things that you don't know are wrong. We'll do a whole audit as part of this. It's included in the price. And that 450 an hour, if you sign up for our general counsel service, that gets reduced by $100 an hour to 350 an hour. And the general counsel service is for a one-year engagement of our services for a flat fee of $10,000 a month. So instead of paying $10,000 for the contract hole fixing in and of itself, you pay $10,000 a month and we can do 15 different things every month for you and you get a $100 an hour discount on your legal services. So you can just hire me to represent you in this one case for $450 an hour. You can hire me to represent you in this case and plug the hole in your contract for $450 an hour plus $10,000. Or you can have our general counsel service for $10,000 a month for an entire year and we'll do 15 different things for you a month, all of which I'll outline for you. And we'll plug that hole in the contract and you get a $100 an hour discount on your representation. Think about it this way. If you work with us for 200 hours on this case, which you could easily do, think about the money you would be saving if you went with the general counsel service just on that one case alone. I mean, it's totally up to you. There are three options on the table for you. I hope you make the right decision and I'm here to answer any questions that you have. Now, Nicola, when you do that, when you make that offer, you're different from every other attorney on planet Earth. Because what does every other attorney do? Oh, litigation matter, litigation matter, 450 an hour, sign here, please. Oh, let's go, let's go sue somebody, right? They rush into the relationship with the client. They wanna get their signature on the retainer and they don't think about the second and the third engagement they could have. So point number one in offers people can't refuse is giving them options so they have other things to think about and thinking about deepening the relationship with those options. That was a masterclass in that one point alone. What do you think, Nicola? Yeah, I love it. And actually, I brought up that point with clients before about addressing the problem that's at the root of that issue. It's great that you're able to solve the problem they came to you with, but you add a lot more value when you're able to tell them this problem is not limited to this particular matter. This problem is going to cause you more problems. You are thinking about that client as a long-term client relationship, and you're thinking about adding additional value to them. Clients recognize that, and let me tell you, the clients very much appreciate that because in the long run, you are saving them exposure, you are saving them money. So whatever that cost is in the short term, they're not even thinking about it when you've already identified the source of a bigger problem that can cause them more money and headaches down the road. Options, options, options. That's number one. Why don't you give us what option number two is? Option number two is remove the barriers. So let me explain what I mean by that. You should already anticipate what the no is going to be when you are making an offer to a client. You know what those the, the biggest issues are that you are likely to run into. So think about how you're going to address those on the front end. So let me give you an example of this. Let's say you run a group where you are working with CEOs to help them take their business to the next level. You know, a lot of what, like 
my partner over here does on a day-to-day basis. And I can imagine that CEOs come to you, Dave, and say, well, who's in this group? I'd I'd like to know. Well, why do they want to know? Because they want to see people like them who are part of this group. And now that lends more credibility to what Dave is going to speak to them about and to have them consider the group. So a great way to already overcome that initial barrier is to say, I'd be happy to share you a list of who's in the group. They already know by you offering to share that, that there are other CEOs in that group, that you're willing to provide that for them to consider because it's, it shows that you are invested in wanting to work with this person. It also shows them the caliber of the group you've already created. It will sell this group yourself without you having to say more when they realize who's in it. So that's one way to do it. You can also, great option is invite them to your first meeting. Look, I'm not, I won't charge you. Why don't you come check out the group and make sure it's the right fit for you. Now, I love doing that whether it is a group of CEOs and you're considering offering them a service that you have or even in a network setting. You have a professional networking group. You're having someone consider joining that group. There's a price associated with it. There's a membership fee, an easy way to overcome the initial barrier because they will ask you, what is this going to cost me if I join? They'll likely ask you before you even get to the end of the pitch because they know there's a fee associated with it. And so you can automatically say, look, here's the fee. Why don't we do this? Why don't you check out a meeting? There's no charge for that. We want to make sure it's the right fit for you and us. So why don't you attend a meeting? That's something we do in our networking group. And I can tell you that by the end of that first meeting, they're asking us if they can go ahead and sign up. It's the best way to provide value up front so that someone gets to see what you're doing, adds credibility to what you are offering them, and then they can't refuse it and will say yes. I love it. You're anticipating their objections in advance and removing the barriers. Very well said, Nikki G. Hey, Nikki G, did you know you can also get our show as an audio podcast? Of course I know you can get the show as an audio podcast. I'm on it. But does our audience? I don't know. So those of you who are watching on YouTube, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Just search up the Inside BS Show with The Godfather and Nikki G, and you'll find us right there. Click the follow button so that you never miss a show. Now, there's a couple of reasons why you're going to want to do that. Nikki G, tell them what the first reason is. You get to ask us questions. That is exclusive to our podcast listeners. Yeah, we only answer listener questions on the audio version of the podcast. We don't do it on video. So if you want to hear what everyone's thinking or if you want to ask us a question, you got to download the audio podcast. The second reason and my favorite reason is because you can take us with you. You can have a little Nikki G in your pocket while you're working out in the gym, washing the dishes or walking the dog. I love me some Nikki G in my pocket when I'm walking the dogs. I don't know about you, Nicola, but that's one of my favorite things to do. Absolutely. Take us with you. After you watch this episode here on YouTube, go to wherever you get your podcast. Click the follow button so we can go with you on your journey and you can ask us questions. We will see you or more like hear you there. And I'm going to touch on one of the points you made in your example, and that's going to be the third way to make them an offer they can't refuse. And that is by forming a community and showing them that they belong in the community. So if you sell products or you sell services, regardless of what your business is, whether you're in B2B or B2C, your clients are a community. If you can highlight the prestige of being a client of yours, 
because you have high profile clients and then welcome people into your community and then you sell the community instead of selling your product or your service, now you're on to something. You've got something they can't refuse. I'll give you an example. Four Seasons Hotels or Ritz-Carlton Hotels or Mandarin Oriental Hotels, those Shangri-La Hotels, those high-end luxury properties are status symbols. If you're traveling abroad and you tell your friends who live in Rome or your friends who live in the UK that you're staying at the Shangri-La, you're telling them that you're staying at the best of the best in terms of hotels in their city and you're telling them that you have arrived, not just arrived in their city, but arrived from a status standpoint. There's a community of people that stay at these high-end hotels. There's an opportunity for you to enhance your reputation and enhance your personal brand by being a customer of those specific hotels. So you're proud to say that that's where you're staying. I just spoke to a group of CEOs this past week and the there's one CEO in the room who has a huge business and he manufactures robots for assembly lines and all the auto manufacturers buy their robots from him. And I said to him, why do people buy the the robots from you? Because they're they're made, he manufactures them here in the US. They're much more expensive than the robots that are manufactured, say, in Asia. And I said, why do they buy them for you, from you? He said, well, listen, I could give you the rational reasons why they buy them from me. They buy them from me because they, you know, they break down less frequently. Uh, there's U.S. people who manufactured them and serviced them. So they're employing Americans when they're making American cars. He said, you know, and they also are better quality. They're made with better quality materials and the manufacturing quality is much, much better than our Asian counterparts. He said, but at the end of the day, they buy them from me now because the people who work on those lines feel the pride of working with the best tools. And if they put those crappy products from overseas on the lines, the people who are the employees would revolt, they would be unhappy, and it would be a less prestigious place to work. So that product has created a community around it where they feel like they're in an environment where they have the best tools, they produce the best work product, and they do it here in, the, in America, and they all feel like they're part of that community, that sense of loyalty. So if you can build a community around your offer or your offering and welcome people into that community, it is a powerful way to get them to say yes every single time. I have people who work with me in a group setting just so that they can come to the group meetings. They take my advice and never do a thing with it, but they wanna be a part of the group and they wanna say they're a part of the group because of the people they're connected with. So that community is a powerful thing and building a community around your product or your service is a great way to make them an offer they can't refuse. Nikki G, your thoughts? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, you definitely want to make them feel part of it. And, you know, really that actually leads right into my next point is if you were anticipating it, which is you need to make your clients feel special and you can do this no matter what size business you have. So let me give you a few examples. So I like to, you know, in a, a practice of law, you're working on big cases. You're not going to have like a, a massive client base. It is, is of the size where you can meet with people one-on-one. -on -one. I always do that. 
and especially it's a new relationship, I want to have one-on-one -on -one time with that client to make sure I get to know them very well. It's important to me. I want to build lasting relationships. I don't care where they are. I will fly to them. You never want to be asking that client to come to you. You make yourself available. You make sure that they have time in their calendar and you go see them and you spend that time with them. And I found the best relationships are formed that way because I took the time to make that really close relationship with that client. Now, some of you may be thinking, but my business is way too big to be flying to meet all of my clients one-on-one. -on -one. But there are still ways you can make every one of those clients feel special. For example, you know, there's a group out there that sells sneakers. I happen to love sneakers. Some of their marketing packaging is brilliant. You get the box, it arrives, there's some little note in it. Or maybe it's the branding on the box, but it's something that feels personal to you by way of that message. And so you feel like, okay, this company really cares about me. That's a small way where you can make all of those clients feel special. They're going to want to keep supporting your company and working with you because they feel a special connection to you, regardless of the size of your company. What do you think, Dave? I think that's great. I think the the recognition and making your clients feel special is a great way to make them an offer they can't refuse. A point that I really want to hammer home is point number five, and that's giving them permission to say no. I kind of buried the lead here because this could be a really powerful, impactful, maybe the most impactful strategy of them all. Whenever I sit down with someone, I say to them, listen, here's what's going to happen in this meeting. You're going to ask me some questions. I'm going to ask you some questions. We're both going to determine whether or not it's a fit for us to work together. If either one of us doesn't think it's a fit, we're going to say no, and we're going to part company as friends. We're going to go our separate ways. I am perfectly okay telling you if you're not a good fit to be my client, are you okay telling me I'm not a good fit to work with you or this solution isn't a good solution for you? Would you be okay telling me no? When you do that, giving them permission to say no magically takes the pressure off the entire situation and you immediately find they're more relaxed, they're more engaged, and they're more in tune. Now you add one more step to that and you tell them, hey, listen, Nicola, Here's what's going to happen. You're going to ask me some questions. I'm going to ask you some questions. We're going to decide together if we're a good fit. If we're not, if you don't think so or if I don't think so, we're going to part company as friends. We won't work together. Here's the one thing that can't happen, though, and I want to make sure we're in complete agreement on this. We can't decide to think it over. We're going to lay it all on the table here answer all of each other's questions. I'll answer every question. I'll stay until midnight if I have to, answering all your questions. If you agree that you'll answer all of my questions, we're gonna decide whether this is a good fit right here and now. There's no saying, I wanna think it over. It's either a yes or a no. Are you okay with that? I do that because that forces a decision one way or another. Now, we're not talking about saying this for the purchase of a building or a home or, you know, dental work or something that has life-changing consequences, right? We're talking about, and maybe this is the final step in the process for those big things. Hey, Mr. Smith, you've toured the house, you've got your financing, you know, you've, you've gone through everything, it's been inspected, you got the inspection report in front of you. Now is the time for us to hash out all the details and not leave the room until we decide either yes or no. So this is either the final step in a long process or in a short sales cycle, this is the, you know, this is the step to decide whether or not you move forward. 
So you can say yes or you can say no. You just can't say, I want to think it over and ask me any question you want. But at the end of this, I'm going to decide if you're a good fit. You're going to decide if I'm a good fit and we're going to say yes or no. Giving them permission to say no is the final way to make them an offer they can't refuse. Any thoughts before we go, Nikki G? Yeah, it's great. I, I, I agree. It's you're removing that pressure and you're also allowing them to feel as though they're making that decision. So when they feel pressured, they're going to be hesitant. So by removing that, you allow them to feel like it's their decision. It is. It's always been. You just, they just may not feel that way if you're allowing it to seem like you have to say yes to this and you have to say yes now. So I think that's great. Alrighty, folks, that'll do it for this edition of the Inside BS Show. My name is Dave Lorenzo. I'm the godfather of growth, and she is... Nikki G. We're happy and thankful that you joined us today. We want you to join us for another episode. In fact, filling in right now is another episode right on the screen. It's one of my favorite episodes. It's the smartphone zombie episode. Be sure and click on that episode and watch it. Until next time, we'll see you right back here. I hope you make a great living and live a great life.